Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. And if there's ever a need for Advent season to be here, I think this is the season. So much going on in the news right now, so much going on in our, on our own hearts, so much going on in our own congregations. In fact, we were talking off the air before we even um, turned the mics on, and we're frustrated. Or is it just me? No, it's been a tough year. Yeah, it's been a tough year, and what a glorious subject that we can talk about this morning in um, the advent of, of Christ. We're going to spend these next few episodes uh, talking about the most important thing. Phil, look, he looks like you want to say something. Brother. Oh, well, I just uh, want to remind the listeners that Advent means coming. Uh, and we remember in this uh, annual cycle of the church year, in the season of Advent, we remember that Christ has come, uh, and uh, all creation has been transformed by the arrival of the Savior and, and uh, his, his uh, sacrificial death on the cross and his resurrection and his ascension to reign over all. And, but we also remember in this season of Advent, we remember Christ's first Advent, and we look forward to his second advent, his second coming, uh, that uh, we live in hope uh, because Christ will come again to complete his work and to reign over all. So this morning, um, in light of Advent, we are going to start looking at several passages in the New Testament that deal specifically with the, with the first coming of Jesus. And this, this first section of Scripture that we're looking at this morning might be, might, hopefully will be a surprise to our listeners because... It's a genealogy uh, right here in the book of Matthew. And I think m- my tendency when I, when I come to genealogies is just like, oh, this is just one long list of names. Is there any grace? Is there any comfort in this passage? So it, it just starts out in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then it begins with Abraham in verse 2, and then it ends with Joseph and then to whom Jesus was born in verse 16. And then it gives this summary statement. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. So here's 17 verses in Matthew's gospel. Brothers, what can we pull out of this? that would bring comfort to our hearts in Advent season? Well, perhaps uh, the, the place to begin is right there in the first verse, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And to the Jewish mind, uh, reading this for the first time, there's two very, very important prophecies in the Old Testament. Uh, when it says that Matthew says here, Jesus is the son of David, Uh, There's a prophecy uh, that the Davidic line, uh, there's going to be a son of David who will reign forever. 
Mm-hmm. Well, in the Old Testament, the Davidic line comes to an end. Mm-hmm. And but that prophecy is yet to be fulfilled, and and Matthew is telling us that it's going to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He's the son of David, and also he's the son of Abraham. There's the well-known prophecy in uh, the seventeenth chapter of Gen- of Genesis. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we forget. Sometimes uh, the, uh, the 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 wheels stop turning. Well, anyway. <laughs> Uh, there's the prophecy that through your offspring, God makes this promise to Abraham and Sarah, who at that point are childless. Through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So Jesus Christ, Matthew is telling us in the first line, that Jesus Christ fulfills both of these prophecies. He's going to be the king, the eternal king in the line of David, who will reign forever. He's the going to be the son of Abraham, Abraham's offspring, who will bless all the nations. And there's a there's a, a reminder of the continuity between the Old Testament and the New Testament in this way. Even with that starting phrase, really mimics the starting phrase of of Genesis two four. The, this is the book of the generations of of Adam. And so when they would when they would read this, they would recognize this is this is very much the same of uh, mm-hmm. the book of Genesis. And there's some interesting things that. We can read out of uh, Genesis, you know, in in this regard. You know, one of the things that uh, we find, particularly in, I think it's Genesis five. You know, we you have the lineage of of Adam being told, and after each one, and then they died, and then they died. Well, that's not what happens in Matthew. Genesis begins with creation and ends with uh, Joseph in a coffin. Matthew begins with the with the uh, in a sense a new creation uh, the one that was coming Christ and it ends with his statement in in the end of Matthew and and lo I am with you always uh, so that this is a new beginning that mm-hmm. has been being told to us mm. uh, to circle back to what Phil was saying God is a God of promise and so from the very beginning opening pages of the Bible the the great gospel promise is made to to Adam. Um, and Eve in the garden after the fall, but the two pillars in the Old Testament would have been Abraham and, and David, and the, really the promise is of one to come. Um, the Messiah is what the Old Testament word would be. Um, here it is the Christ, and twice in this genealogy, in verse 16 and then in verse 17, um, we're explicitly told that this is the one that is the Christ. This is the Messiah that was promised. This is the one that was going to come in fulfillment to all of the prophecies. So whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ, and the last sentence says, from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And so for readers of the Scriptures, but for all of us, it's explicitly stating up front this one that this entire gospel is going to talk about is the promised Messiah that was was foretold mm-hmm. to all that all of these people in this list held on to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just David and Abraham. It's every single person in the Old Testament was holding on to this great promise of one to come that would deliver them from their sin. You know, it's interesting um, if we look at all of these people that were trusting in the Messiah for their salvation, it's quite a, a list. So, so just starting with Abraham, before God called him, he was a 
pagan who was from a family of moon worshipers, Joshua 24, 2 says, right. he twice tried to pawn off his wife as his sister so that he could save his own skin, Genesis 12. Then his son Isaac did the same thing in Genesis 26. Then his son Jacob, whose name means supplanter, he twice cheated his own brother Esau out of his birthright. Then we have Judah, who sold his brother Joseph into slavery. He slept with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. Then we have Rahab, who was not only a foreigner, but she was a prostitute. Then we have Ruth, who was a Moabite, one of the sworn enemies of Israel. Then we have King David, and we know his great sin. Um, we have Bathsheba. Uh, we have King Solomon, whom, whom the Lord blessed with great wisdom, and yet he turned his heart away from God later on in his life because of his many wives, First King 11.4. And then we have Manasseh, uh, the most wicked king that ever existed in Judah. So we have all of these people with these notorious records. What should we conclude from that? Fragile, faithless, and faltering. <laughs> and that's, that's the record of humanity. And it wouldn't really matter if we changed all the names in there to something else. It would, in this sense, we're talking about a historical record here. But when I say it wouldn't matter, you're still going to end up with fragile, faithless, and faltering people. The only people that God can deal with are sinners. Uh, that's the only people that exist. And this is what we find even in this record. This is why all of them needed a Savior. This is why we need a Savior, too. Yes. And God is working through these fragile and, and faithless and faulted. What, what was your three Fs? <laughs> fragile, faithless, and faltering. <laughs> faltering, yes. Um, that's, a, that's a great sermon outline, by the way. Um, and God is working through all of these to achieve his purpose, to accomplish his purpose. And I love uh, Martin Luther's observation about, about this in, in his uh, sermon that he preached on this text, that uh, he says, Our Lord was not ashamed in his family tree. He, he was not ashamed to have sinners in his family tree, in his genealogy. He was not ashamed to associate with sinners in his family tree. And he's not ashamed to associate with sinners today. He came to save sinners. And uh, mm -hmm. so there's this genealogy. It, it sounds like dull, dull genealogy, but Matthew, Matthew takes boring genealogy and turns it into gospel. Mm -hmm. You know, we've noted that uh, there were four women represented in this uh, genealogy, which was unusual in the first place, uh, you know, in the record. But each one of those women represented uh, the Gentiles, those that were outside, that were once outside of yes. the covenant of God, mm -hmm. but now are included in God's covenant. And it just reminds us that he, he's not just the Savior of the Jews. He was the Savior of the whole world. Mm -hmm. um, yes. Well, and in the, in the first century, uh, there's a, in the context in which Matthew is, is first writing his gospel, um, the chosenness of Israel among many Jews had devolved and degenerated into ethnic pride and even a sense of ethnic superiority, uh, which is always sin. And I think part of what Matthew is doing in choosing the people that he does for the, the genealogy, he not only chooses sinners, he shows that there's a, he shows that the, the, the bloodline is not 100% pure mm -hmm. at any point, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're thinking in Christian terms or Jewish terms. And uh, 
So he's puncturing that that kind of uh, ethnic vanity uh, that some Jews had fallen prey to. Uh, that that sense of ethnic superiority. He's 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 totally puncturing. Well, it also is just a reminding us of the trustworthiness of Scripture. You know, if if you're creating a story to for you know your quote unquote maximum impact of this is what we you know we're presenting the king, we're presenting the sovereign, we're presenting all this. You know, you're going to leave these people out. You're going to put the Martha Washingtons into this <laughs> yes. instead of uh, uh, the Tamar, uh, the prostitute, and and. Right. Uh, and Rahab, what'd you say? She has the worst last name. She has the most unfortunate last name in history. Yeah, Rahab the harlot. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you, you're going to want a Sarah and a, a Rebecca and a Rachel instead. But this is a, this is a testimony to God's infallible word communicated yes. to us. Yes. We always have in our own family trees those that we just don't talk about. And to Jonathan's point, here you have God with such transparency revealing that this is the very reason why Jesus needed to come. The family mm-hmm. tree tells you that Jesus needed to come and, and save his people from their sin. And yes. that's why he was the Christ. Yeah, and if Jesus uh, receives great sinners like these into his family, then certainly he will not deny a great sinner like me. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We will see you next time. 